Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. After the show, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever you listen. The feedback helps us out a lot. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. <sighs> Deep breaths. Find my center. Welcome back to the rewatch recap of my so-called life. Today we are doing the final episode, me and Kay from Fuck My Work Life. And we're a little sad because it's ending, but yeah. this is how it has to be, guys. <laughs> there were only 19 <laughs> episodes. <I know. laughs> Everything's so, gotta yeah. end. It does, it does. Yes, episode 19 is called In Dreams Begin Responsibilities. Which kind of confuses me. I know the dreams part makes sense because everybody has a dream in this episode, but mm -hmm. I don't really understand what the begin responsibilities. I don't either. I mean, part, maybe it but... make more sense if they continued on. <laughs> they must be referencing like some form of literature or something. That's the only uh, thing I can think of. Yeah, I'll have to look be. it up eventually. But before we begin, I have a couple more details to share. Some things that I, one thing I forgot about. And another thing I did not know about at all until like the past week. Okay. So the first one was I completely forgot that Miss Krasinowski, the guidance counselor, mm -hmm. is the creator, Winnie Holtzman. Oh, really? That's who played her the entire oh, time. Oh, okay. So when you see Miss Krasinowski or who Rayanne calls Miss Krasinowski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Winnie Holtzman, the creator. And I completely forgot. I was like, I know I know her. And I every single time I saw her, I was like, I know her. It's because it's the creator of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, whoops, made a little foil there. But at least I got it out before the end of this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the other thing that I found out was um, Paul Dooley, who plays Patty's dad, Chuck, who was also, you know, mm -hmm. the one who was also in 16 Candles, the Samantha's dad. Yeah. Um, he's married to Winnie Holtzman. Really? And he's been married to her since 1984. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like they met doing this and they got together. No. Yeah. He, she, that's how he got cast. You know, that's how he got cast. Of course. But, I mean, it's not like he wasn't perfect for the part, but it's just so funny. I was like, oh my God. And the only reason why I found that out is because I saw this blurb somewhere um, where he was selling his Malibu home and it showed a picture of him and Winnie Holtzman. I was like, well. That's interesting that they're hanging out. That this, you know, you know, and then I saw, ended up seeing more and more pictures of them together. I'm like, what's going on here? I looked him up and I saw married Winnie Holtzman, 1984. I'm like, oh my God. 
I cannot believe that. That really like rocked my world when I saw that. It's like that was so. I did not realize that at all. Is he quite she a used bit to work older on the than show. her? I think they're around the same age. Really? Because she, I feel he like might she might be slightly looks, older. I feel like she looks so much younger in these episodes than he does. Yeah. Here's the thing: like he looks older now, and she still has not aged that much. Now, yeah. she still has like she just impeccable skin. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. look, you know, she hasn't wrinkled up or anything like that. And she was forty something when she started My So Called Life. Okay, but he's got to so, be late fifties during this My So Called Life, right? Possibly. I mean, or he just doesn't hold, you know, he didn't age as well. You know, it's, it's, it's possible. True. I don't know. Smoker, drinker, was, those things can age yeah. <clears throat> Partying up, being a young actor in Hollywood or whatnot. Because he was originally supposed to be. Oh, by the way, he was an original episode of The Golden Girls where they were going to spin it off. And it was oh. him and Rita Moreno and they were a couple. And um, another character was also in it that ended up being part of the real spinoff of Golden Girls. And it was Empty Nest. So basically, uh, they were trying to create mm-hmm. Empty Nest and they were testing it on my so well, not on my so called on Golden Girls. And it didn't really go over well because the whole episode was really focused on them. And like the girls actually kind of showed up and they were neighbors. And mm-hmm. then they kept the one actor who ended up being an Empty Nest. Um, Harry, whatever his name was, and he but lived in the neighborhood. It's kind of the playboy or kind of a sleazy guy. <laughs> they kept him in it, and uh, but they changed the whole concept. And because he played a doctor, and Rita Moreno was his wife, they're trying to reconnect, and their children had left the nest, that kind of thing. And well, when Empty Nest started, it'd be about a single dad and an empty nest. But his daughters moved back in or were around a lot more. I don't know. I never watched Empty Nest, but yeah. that was the whole setup there because they ended up bringing him on and those daughters later on, and they revamped the whole thing. It was really interesting. I was like, huh, huh. You know, yeah. I didn't realize that. And that was shortly, not long after he was in 16 Candles. So I thought, okay. yeah, very, very neat little trivia information yeah. there if you if you want to keep it there. So he but, was born in 1928. Oh, yeah. He was much older than her. 1928? Because she's not almost 100 years old. No. Can you believe that? And he's still alive. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Wow. I okay. envy that. That's for sure. Well, he's had a nice life. You know, if you have a good life, you're going to live a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. A happy life, you know? So, but I think that's cool. He had a wife before her and they divorced and that's when he got married to Winnie Holtzman. What's funny is what, when I looked on Wikipedia, like his previous wife, it said this year to question mark. He didn't know yeah. when they got, it doesn't say it knows when they got divorced, but it says it knows when, you know, he married Winnie Holtzman. So, yeah. Um, so he's 26 years older than her. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, go get it. Good for them, but they've they've made it work for a very long time. So good. For exactly. Them. Yeah. Exactly. She's probably what seventy something now. She was born in fifty four. So whatever that is. Okay, she's a year younger than my mom, so she's sixty eight. Okay. My mom's about to turn sixty nine in the next week. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. All right. Well. Um, <laughs> Trivia. Trivia time. Here's another bit of trivia for you. This episode aired on January 26th, 1995. Just days earlier, just like less than a week earlier, Claire Danes won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama Series for My So-Called Life. Oh, she totally deserved that. 
And exactly. And it would go on to be nominated for four Emmys, which included Best Actress for Her Again and Best Writing by Winnie Holtzman. But it did not win those, unfortunately. Hmm. With the high acclaim by critics and feedback from ABC, um, they would write the pilot, or excuse me, the finale, to be a cliffhanger to go on to a season two. But that day would never come because ABC screwed them. Mm-hmm. Instead of giving it another shot, it's award-winning already. It won some other awards as well, but not the not- really high notable ones that most layman people would know. Mm-hmm. And it would, you know, it didn't have the highest of ratings, but it, you know, won awards. It was critical claim. You would think, all right, well, it's not getting ratings in this time slot. Let's move it and try it again. They yeah. should have done that, and they didn't do it, and it ticks me off to this day. So I, I urge people who are writers for television series, especially in a first season. Unless your season or your show has some of the highest ratings, do not ever write a cliffhanger for your season finales, people. You you know, you want to wrap up those stories and just maybe keep open possibilities mm-hmm. for things to happen, but don't leave it to where you don't know what's going to happen next. Like you should episode. be all right. If it's, yeah, <laughs> if, if it's going to end, at least people can be like, okay, well, at least I know what happened. Not like, oh, but we didn't find out. You know, I hate that. I hate that feeling. It ticks no. me off of any show that this has happened to. Because there's been a lot that I have liked. And yeah. it just doesn't go over, you know. That's why I messaged you. I'm like, I just finished. I'm so unsatisfied. <laughs> I feel that way every time I rewatch this. I forget just how unsatisfying it is at the end. Like this, We'll get into it. Anyway. <laughs> we will. We will. But since you bring it up, <laughs> next week, audience, I will be recapping the entire authorized sequel book, My So-Called Life Goes On. Kay does not have this book, so you and she will be learning about everything that happened to Angela and the whole gang after the unfortunate cliffhanger that turned into the series finale. So be sure to come back next week for the conclusion. Not sure how satisfying it will be, but it will definitely answer some questions at least. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and we'll get into the final episode of My So-Called Life. Go now! Go! We begin with Angela waking up from a dream as her voiceover says, In the dream I keep having about Jordan Catalano, I'm trying to catch up with him. And then we see her grayscale dream that shows her in the hall at school in her pajamas. Mm -hmm. She's wandering around, looking at people, you know, everyone that passes her by and then she sees Jordan doing what he does best leaning against a locker and putting <laughs> eye drops in his eyes always oh yeah he looks at her and then he just walks off so she continues but it's hard because there's something wrong with the floor she looks down and her shoes are stuck to the ground with like glue or her soles are melted mm-hmm. and i you know i know everybody who's had like the feet stuck to the ground in their dreams where they can't do anything. And it kind of reminds you of that, that chase scene from a nightmare on Elm street where she's okay. running up the stairs, but like, it looks like it almost looks like marshmallow. Yeah. Like she's walking and she keeps getting her feet stuck in the stairs. Yeah. So there's a foggy mist around her feet and she tries over and over to pick them up. And Jordan just walks further away. Mm-hmm. And she says, sometimes my father is there. And that's when she looks up and sees Graham next to Jordan as they both stop and turn to look at her before walking off. Just it was really kind of strange. I wonder if that was a symbol symbolism for. She can finally move, and as she goes after them, um, she sees like a casket with pallbearers and a priest go by, still in the school hallway, mind you. Mm-hmm. 
as she says, sometimes my great aunt Gertrude's funeral kind of gets mixed in with it. And the pallbearers walk past Patty and Graham, who are dressed all in black, and they wave to Angela, and she waves back, and they kind of beckon for her to join them, but she shakes her head no. And they look disappointed as they turn back to the funeral, and she just walks past. Going on, she says, the end of the dream is always the same. I catch up with him. And we now see her running down the hall with an angry face and yelling, though we can't hear her. Mm -hmm. She runs and stops Jordan and starts yelling in his face, and he just doesn't stop. She says, I yell and scream about how he betrayed me, how I can never forgive him. So Jordan stops at the end of the hallway and basically sees her, but looks past her, basically. Mm -hmm. She says, he just stands there like someone caught in a storm who stopped caring about how wet it gets. <laughs> She's up in his face, like yeah. yelling right in his face. Then I wake up. And now we're back in bed with her and she's thinking about the dream. The storm of words still pounds through my body. Hatred can become like food. It gives you this energy. You can like live off of it. Which is so true. Yeah. I mean, in any regard, like especially like the stuff that's going on in the world today, in our country, everything is in disarray at the moment mm -hmm. with all this political stuff and hate crimes against marginalized people. And mm -hmm. it just it becomes this like fuel, like especially if you look at social media. Yeah. Social media, exactly. Somebody hates something and somebody piles on top of that and piles on top. It's like, stop, just stop, walk away, walk yeah. away. It's not good for you. But people just keep going and like, no, take a breath, walk away. No, but it's true. They they feed off of it. You know, they're miserable and they want to make everyone else miserable. And it it's, it's like she said, it's like food. It's sustenance for them. Yep. I do like how the dream sequences are in this episode though you know a lot of dream sequences make it seem like very realistic and that's not how dreams are dreams are weird weird shit happens. yeah so i like how they did that in this nothing makes sense but it kind of does at the same time yeah mm -hmm. anyway okay back to this angela gets up goes downstairs we're in the kitchen everyone is getting ready to start their day Graham is talking to Hallie Lowenthal on the phone, and Danielle is complaining that she burned her bagel in the toaster. I burned my bagel. <laughs> <laughs> Patty turns around and says, that just reminded me of my entire dream. As Graham stops Danielle, uh, who's about to stick a butter knife, a metal butter knife, into the toaster <laughs> to fish her bagel out, he makes her unplug the toaster first. Good on you, Graham. Mm -hmm. You don't want to fry your daughter. Graham hangs up the phone, promising he'll meet Hallie at that restaurant at noon that day. And he tells Patty that their investors are starting to get, to get cold feet. But he actually says they're starting to waffle, which is mm -hmm. a weird term, in my opinion. I've never heard anybody else say that in my entire I've life. Heard it. They're going to waffle. I've heard it. It means like they're like hemming and hawing. They're, you know, can't make a decision. I guess the, the up and down yeah. of a waffle, I guess. Yeah. And like a little, you know. That makes sense. I don't know. He says, good riddance. If they can't stand the heat, get out of the restaurant. Yeah. And Angela says, very overly enthusiastic, yeah, go dad. Like, <laughs> full of sarcasm Yeah. as she enters the kitchen. I feel like this episode, there are so many lines. Like, I found myself knowing the lines before they said it more than any other episode <laughs> this series. Huh. Like, the, like, I knew it was going to be, she was going to be like, yeah, go dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
I didn't remember a lot of this. I think this is one of the episodes I watched the least because I didn't want the show to end. Yeah. So I didn't watch it as much, even though I knew what happened and whatnot. There's another line later on that I, I repeat often in my life, but I'll tell it, you know, when that comes up. Okay. <laughs> so Patty says, listen, everyone, do you want to hear what I dreamed? And they all like recoil and cringe and they're saying, maybe later. No, thanks. We're good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, poor Patty. Her family does not want to listen to her talk. No, but nobody wants to hear about other people's dreams either. You're just like, okay, cool. Well, I do. I like to hear about people's dreams. I like to hear the weirdness that goes in people's heads. Do you want to hear about the one that I had the other night? I'm just kidding. I don't mind. <laughs> we can do it when we're not recording. <laughs> so they all leave the kitchen and she watches them go, but says to herself, I dreamed about Tony Poole. Mm. I'm like, what? Who, Patty? We need some context. Come on. Mm-hmm. So we cut over to the school where Sharon is talking to Delia Fisher in the yearbook space. Delia apparently had a dream about Ricky. Mm-hmm. And as she's starting to talk, I noticed something in the background of the bulletin board, a single shot of Angela at her locker surrounded by flyers and like color schemes and stuff. It's like the one of the only pictures. Huh. And I thought, well, it must be because Sharon pretty much runs the operation. But mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting. You could tell it's Angela. It's the short hair. It's red. She's at the yeah. locker. She's looking at the camera. It's further off, but you can tell it's her. Or it's because Brian was the yearbook photographer and he was stalking her. That too. That too. He's I probably, have... oh my God. Can you imagine them trying to go through the yearbook? Brian, why are all these of Angela Chase? <laughs> I have a really quick, weird story for you that relates to this. So when go I was ahead. in high school, one of the yearbook photographers, I guess, liked me and I didn't, like, I didn't know. Like, I knew of him. Like, we talked in passing or whatever and I had a couple of friends that worked on yearbook and like this is back in the day when you would like print out you'd have actual photos right they're not on a phone and mm-hmm. they found like a stack of just pictures of me in his stuff one day and I was like that's really creepy oh <laughs> yeah well, at least I didn't find like a shrine in his locker or something yeah. with, like candles and kill you <laughs> And a chicken's foot or something, you know. And yeah, but it was just, it was a little unnerving. Anyway, yeah, that's it. That, I wouldn't like that either. He was my Brian Krakow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Delia says it wasn't the type of dream, that type of dream, like a sexy dream. She says they were just dancing in a big vegetable, vegetable, I can't even say it, vegetable garden, <laughs> vegetable, vegetable garden. She says she was wearing a dress she saw in the nanny, and then she laughs. <laughs> And turns towards Sharon asking, how much do you know about Ricky? But Sharon says, she doesn't know anything. I'm like, no, no, no. That is not true, Sharon. You just spent an entire weekend with him. And you hung out with him and Angel and Ryan enough to know about Ricky, right? I hate that. Sharon does this crap. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Delia points out that, you know, well, you're like – He's Rayanne Graff's best friend, and you're like friends with, with her. And but Sharon's immediately says, "I'm not friends with Rayanne Graff." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, you are. Yeah, you may not be besties, but you've you've hung out with her a lot. Mm-hmm. You've talked to her. You've enjoyed her company. Yeah. You know, they've bonded. Get over yourself, Sharon. You're friends. Mm-hmm. Even Delia doesn't buy it as she gives Sharon a knowing look before Sharon says, "I'm not." Yeah, and walks off. Have you ever had a random dream about someone that you never would have thought of before and then like instantly have a crush on them because of the dream? Uh, no, I don't really, I don't really have, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember anything like that at all. I never really had that 
I never thought about people that way. And it's it's strange. I just don't. Hmm. They'd have to do something in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me to like them. Yeah. But, well, I have I'll, I have a little tidbit later, but I'll tell you about it. Okay. Over at the restaurant space, Graham and Hallie are arguing. What else is new? Mm-hmm. He's mad because Hallie never told him that the investors have, have lined up and they want him out of the picture. I'm like, I'd be mad and confused myself. Like, Graham is the entire basis for this restaurant. Yeah. And, like, who do they think is going to cook or be head chef? Yeah. Like, I'm- we don't want to invest if he's going to be the chef. I'm like, well... Are you going to invest in general? Like, like what's going yeah. on? Like, it also, Hallie's never run a restaurant, so why aren't they as equally worried about her? You know, I get True. he's he's never been a chef in a restaurant, but she's also never run a restaurant. So, and how does she get these people? She's so damn frantic. I wouldn't want to listen to her anyway. Right? Like, no, I don't want to be doing. I don't want to be in bed with you. No. Yeah. People be dumb, y'all. That's right. <laughs> So apparently she's known about this for three days. I'm like, what a dumbass! Like, why would you hold this information back? Mm-hmm. She's trying to tell him that the investors are just nervous and it's normal as Patty enters with lunch for the two of them. Mm-hmm. So the two stop arguing and Graham leaves to take a walk and cool down. I'm like, good idea. That's good. Like, you know, though if I were Patty, I'd be giving Hallie the stink eye for sure. Like, what did you say? What did you yeah. do? Or just go with Graham. <laughs> like, yeah. She brings him lunch and he just takes off. I, I would just be like, okay, bye. I'm leaving too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. The second he's gone, Hallie turns to Patty and agrees with Graham that she should have told him sooner about the investor's doubts. You think, Durr? Yeah. She says it's because Graham has never worked as a chef and that they're very nervous. However, she says that all they have to do is eat his food and they will be behind him. Mm-hmm. Then, in true Hallie Lowenthal form, she starts to frantically gather her things to rush off to work before they fire her. I'm like, wait, so what? <laughs> Do they not know what you're doing? I would fire her for just not shutting up most of the time. That's what I yeah, would fire her exactly. for. Like, Shut up, you're fired. I'm tired of you. I wonder if she she's... must be like really good at her job. Yeah, does it say what she does? I think they did when they first met her, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I don't know, but. Sales. It's not worth putting up with her. <laughs> Something where she gets to talk a lot. Yeah, most likely. Patty stops her to say she just remembered this morning an old boyfriend from high school that ended up in the restaurant business. Let me guess, Tony Poole? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says he runs a bar and grill and she'd be happy to contact him. And Hallie's like, why? <laughs> no. Patty says, well, it may be help to talk to someone who's been through opening a restaurant. And so Hallie's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll talk to anybody. We know, Hallie. We know. You'd talk to roadkill on the side of the road because it would have to listen to you. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Graham comes back in at that moment with a force. He says, you know, his cooking speaks for itself and it's what he does best. And he will cook for these, quote, money guys. And that will be that. So both women are like, right. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. That's what we were aiming for. Back at school, Mr. Katemski is going over vocabulary words, fixing the incorrect spellings he wrote himself on the chalkboard. (laughs) Come on, man. I think he definitely at the top of my list for most interesting characters in this show. He's definitely one of the most fun. Mm -hmm. Most fun to watch. Jordan keeps looking over at Angela, who is paying attention to her notes. 
And Kotemski says, anyone that would like to know more about Grecian urns for extra credit should speak to me right now. What? Like, Are they in English class? I know. I'm like, are they talking like Greek mythology, like stories? It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Because has he lost his mind? Because it really sounds like a historical thing, if mm -hmm. anything. Because like you said, they're on English lit, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the bell rings and everyone gets up to go without being dismissed, mind you. Right. Sharon walks over to Angela's desk just as Jordan walks over as well. Looking awkward AF. Mm -hmm. Angela's voiceover says, it's so weird when you see someone you just dreamed about, like it's going to show. <laughs> eh, I don't really care. There's this awkwardness between the three as Sharon dismisses herself to go talk to Katimsky about the extra credit. Jordan tries to start a conversation with Angela, and this is what he says. I can't believe we have to use all those words in a sentence. <laughs> I mean, not all the same sentence, but still. Duh, not so information, Catalano. <laughs> Angela isn't paying attention to him. She's just copying down the vocabulary words on the board. Mm -hmm. He continues talking, saying he's still in the tutoring program. She doesn't say anything. He says, guess what? There's a term for me. I'm a rudimentary reader with low literacy skills. That kid brain figured it out from this manual. I love that he's, he's still, still calls calling him brain. brain. Because, you know, Brian's probably way too, like, scared to correct him. <laughs> or maybe it's just, like, his nickname now for him. You know, maybe. like, maybe he knows his name is Brian, but. I'll call him brain. He's got that big brain. <laughs> well, it looks like he does, like, huge head of hair. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, I mean, at this point, I kind of feel bad for Jordan because he's really trying to turn his life around. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes you've hurt somebody bad enough they just don't care anymore yeah or they're she, just really turned off that they don't want to care anymore yeah and she's like actively looking around him at the board like get the fuck out of my way and leave me alone and he's just not catching on to the the clues he's just trying I mean, and she's trying. like literally like moving her head around <laughs> mm -hmm. him to see past him yeah yeah Ugh. man get a clue mm -hmm. get a clue j-dog Meanwhile, Katemski goes off to find more copies of some reading material as Brian walks over to Sharon to ask, what's up? And how's Delia Fisher? Sharon stops like, stop asking me about Delia. You yeah. treated her like crap and she's way over you and she's into someone else now. And he's like, who? Who's she into? And she says, Rick Ricky Vasquez. And he's like, what? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, Brian knows that Ricky's not into the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> How can Sharon be so damn clueless? She, I don't know. Like, come on, man. Everybody knows about Ricky. Come on. Yeah, but I think she's just trying to stab at Brian because he hurt Delia so bad, which is also yeah. laughable because they didn't even know each other. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. It, yeah, I don't get it. But anyway, back to Jordan and Angela. He's still talking, surprisingly. <laughs> Like, this must be using up all his reserved energy he got from leaning so much. Yeah. He says his band is back together now, but they changed their name to Residue. <laughs> I like Frozen Embryos better. Mm -hmm. And he says he's been writing songs. Angela finally gives up trying to see past him to write down her vocabulary words. She says, why are you telling me all this? Mm -hmm. 
And he says, I don't know. I mean, you're the one who signed me up for tutoring in the first place. <laughs> and then Sharon walks over and gives him this get lost glare that only Sharon can give. Mm -hmm. He gives up and says, forget it and leaves. Sharon says she can't believe that Jordan had the nerve to talk to her. Angela sighs and kind of leans her head in her hand and Sharon says, "Oh, Chase face, you're sh like shaking. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's all of Angela's cute... nicknames. Yeah, it's like a cute little nickname. Mm -hmm. I mean, I make rhyming nicknames all the time for people. Isn't that right, Kayfe? <laughs> Kayfe. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> Sounds like a makeup line. Kayfe. <laughs> <laughs> Brian walks over and smiles. He looks like he's going to say something, but then Sharon gives him that like back off look, that glare again. And he just kind of shrinks back and walks off. Mm -hmm. He's so cringy and awkward. It makes me nervous as hell. Yeah. Angela says she had that dream last night about Jordan. And then Sharon says, I just remembered what I dreamed. <laughs> but before we can hear anything about Sharon's dream, Katimsky calls on Angela asking if he can sign her up to sell tickets for our town. She gives him a sigh and a look. He says, oh, gee whiz, Angela, it's <laughs> measly 30 tickets. <laughs> so she says, okay, yes. And then Katemski gives us like goofy, <laughs> evil genius slash clown laugh. He's like, ah! <laughs> He's so excited. I love it's him pretty funny. so much. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, God, he just wears you down. But I get it, though. He's such a nice teacher and a goofy guy who's, like, good and honest. You don't want to say no to him. Right. Like, okay, fine. So Sharon finally continues that her dream was about Rayanne and she about Rayanne and her appearing in a water ballet together for charity. <laughs> weird. Dreams be weird. <laughs> They'd be weird, yo. Okay, so do you have a weird dream that you've had, something like that, just kind of weird and abstract? I've, I mean, I have a couple dreams that I remember from when I was a teenager that were very strange and dramatic. And I, I remember years and years later. Um, do you want to hear about one of them? Yeah, go okay. for it. So I had a dream that the sun exploded and blew the atmosphere off of the earth. But somehow we everyone didn't die. The earth just turned into this like hellscape, like desert and everyone was just roaming looking for food and shit and i was like trying to find my parents and that sounds very mad max yeah something. it was it was very mad maxi and it was it was weird and it, there was a lot more to it that i can't remember all the details now but i just remember because like in my dream you could see the sun like exploding and like like the waves coming like it was it was so creepy wow yeah. That's that's deep and dark. Yeah. <laughs> the mind of K, everyone. Mm -hmm. And then the one I had recently was uh I was at the grocery store with Jay and I had to go out front to get something and these three guys started approaching and they looked kind of shady and I looked back and one of them pulled out a gun and started shooting. And so I ran into the the grocery store and I was like trying to yell for Jay and you know, you can't I can't yell in dreams like nothing comes out and so yeah. I was running around and I and they followed me in and I turned around and one shot me in the neck and I was like holding my neck 
and they came up to me and they they were like, you gave me an F in English. And I'm like, but I'm not a teacher. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> wow. Man, you've got some dark ass dreams. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah, you? Yeah, when you're saying you can't. You, you know how you said you can't yell in dreams? I can't hit in dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, I can wind up and, like, really go like this. But when I hit the person in the face, it's like, tap. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. why can't I hit you? And it makes me so mad. Yeah. Uh, and, but um, I, the, I can't think of anything from that far back. But a few months ago, I actually, sometimes I'll wake up. If I have a dream that's so vivid or something so weird, I'll wake up and I'll, like, write it out. Because mm-hmm. I, I have to remember. I just want to make sure I remember it. So this one I wrote out, and there's more details to this, but this is like the shortened version. I had this dream a few months ago that I was in New York City, and it was deserted. Like, it was a ghost town. Like, no Mm -hmm. one was there. But people were inside buildings. They just weren't outside. Mm -hmm. And I went into this, like, um, theater where there was, like, an opera going on or something, and there were a bunch of people there. And I met this guy, um, and there was more to it, but I can't remember right off the top of my head. But I met this guy. And we took a walk in Central Park and I just like fell in love with him. He was like dream guy, literally dream guy, like Mm -hmm. perfect. Never met him before. Wasn't anybody, wasn't modeled after anybody. It was just like, I can't remember what he looks like, but I remember he was so handsome and he just like was so kind and so nice and very interested in me. And in turn, I reflected that right back to him and it was so great. And I was so happy. But then this like mugger came up and shot him. Oh my God. And he started to die. And that's when I woke up. Oh, my God. And I was so, like, so sad. Like, I was happy that I met him. But at the same time, I was so sad. Aww. Right? Yeah. You know, because, you know, I can't – I'm consistently single. And in my dream, I had found somebody, <laughs> you know. And it was just so heartbreaking. And I wanted to go back to sleep to, like, fix it, you know, see the ending, fix it. But even if I had gone back to sleep, it was, like, one of those situations where I knew that it would have just been warped and turned into a completely different dream. Yeah. Do you? Because sometimes you can, but it'll be completely different. I hate that feeling. Yeah. Can you picture his face still? No. No, I can't remember. I just remember he was really handsome. And I was like, hey, hey, my type, you know, that kind of thing. I going to say, like, what if you ran into someone that looked just like him one day? Well, maybe I'll remember. Maybe I'll have that familiarity. Yeah. You look really? familiar. Yeah. And then maybe I'll have the dream again. I'm like, oh, that was him. That'd be cool. Let me, I'm going to tell you one more quick thing because your story reminded me of one. So back bef- before I met my my first husband, um, <clears throat> I had this vivid dream about like kind of similar to yours where I, there's this, this person that was like, just in my dream, I was like, oh, this is my, this is my person. This is my soulmate. And they had this like really strange orange and blue shirt on where it like looked orange in one direction and blue in the other. And I just remember that really vividly in the dream. And then a couple days later, the person who ended up being my first husband, like walked into a room in a shirt that looked exactly like that. And I was just like, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's also weird. Those are my high school colors. (laughs) Orange and blue. What were you? Orange, what blue, your, and white. What was your yeah. mascot? The Charger. Oh. Like a knight. Yeah. Chargers. Okay. Yeah. We were the tigers. It, tigers. We were grr. <laughs> Grr. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we are on to the tutoring session with Brian and Jordan. And Brian is telling Brian, I can't even say his name, Brain. Brain. Um, <laughs> is telling Jordan. <laughs> 
to tell him a true story that happened to him, and he will make flashcards with keywords from the story. Mm-hmm. And But Jordan's not paying attention at all. He's like, I blew it with Angela. He doesn't really want to talk about the, quote, crappy story idea. Yeah. So Brian asks about it, and Jordan says, she hates me, and I deserve it. I'm like, Jordan is finally learning, y'all. Mm-hmm. He's becoming a better person. And, you know, this is the Jordan Catalano that I would have been into in high yeah. school. But yeah. it took us all of like 19 episodes to get here. <laughs> yeah, I kind of realized that watching this episode again, knowing why I loved Jordan so much the first time, like when I was 15 watching it, I think it was because of this episode, you know, okay. even though even though it's not really Jordan we're falling in love with. <laughs> but <laughs> well. So he tells Brian how he tried to explain how how sorry he was after class earlier, but nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. He says he didn't know what to say. And Brian says, just say you're sorry. Yeah. But Jordan can't seem to muster a response. So Brian says, wait, you can go up to any girl and get her phone number, but you're afraid to tell Angela Chase you're sorry? <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. He gets so totally. offended. <laughs> so? <laughs> yeah. And Brian's like, nothing. It's just ironic. And so Jordan's all defensive. like, so what? And then he pauses and says, what's ironic? (laughs) It's a song by Alanis Morissette, Jordan. That's right. Which a lot of the (laughs) stuff in the song is not ironic, but that's okay. It's just horribly coincidental. (laughs) (laughs) So Brian explains that irony is when you realize the component of weirdness in a situation. I guess. it's Yeah. uh, that's a, I don't know. I don't think, I think it's not a good explanation, but whatever, especially component for Jordan. Like he's not going to know what component means. He's like, so what's component? <laughs> I know. I was waiting for that too. So like Jordan gives him this doy look before asking brain to help him figure out what he can say to Angela. This so Brian is the, says, no. <laughs> this is the line that I always repeat when I need help with something. Help me brain. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. So yeah, Brian says no because Jordan did an undefendable thing that he can't change. He says it's like you created your own prison and now you have to exist in it. And Jordan likes this metaphor and says, "Oh, that's perfect." Mm -hmm. He said he then asks Brian to give him more stuff like that, and Brian jumps up and is like, "Absolutely not!" Mm -hmm. Like really loudly. And someone shushes him because they're in a room full of tutoring sessions. <laughs> yeah. He says the phonic manual does not the phonics manual does not cover the situation. Phonics manual? <laughs> phonics manual? And it the started making me thinking. Yeah. He's, he's like huh? But he's like kinda laughing, but also kinda like, what? The phonics manual? <laughs> Hooked on phonics worked for me. Remember that? Yep. <laughs> That's the only reason why I know what phonics means. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because that damn commercial. Mm-hmm. Now I know. And now you know too, listener. Brian says he can't be involved. It's between Jordan and Angela. Jordan says, okay, he'll figure it out himself. Brian says, fine. Jordan will figure this out and he'll just do some calculus while Jordan writes. And they'll work independently. Which lasts for a few seconds until Brian looks up and says, so what do you have so far? Yeah. He wants to be involved. Of course. 
So after a commercial break, we pick up with Ricky talking to Rayanne in the hallway as she is bent over with her head between her legs, talking <laughs> upside down to him. Mm-hmm. Like, what is she doing? She's stretching or she's just doing it to do it? Like, She's a little manic at this point. She is. She says, you think I'm unhappy? And he says, in my humble opinion, yes. And she says, don't say in my humble opinion. That's Angela talk. That's how Angela Chase talks. What are you trying to depress me? Just then, Brian walks up, Rayanne stands up straight, facing Brian, and she says, for your information, I have to be very up person, a very happy up person. And then she says sourly to Brian, what are you looking at yeah. before walking off? <laughs> That's real happy and up, Rayanne. I know. Ricky tells Brian to ignore Rayanne because she's just a naturally up person. Mm-hmm. And then... Tells Brian he put him down to sell Our Town tickets. But Brian says to take him off the list because he has no free time as it is. Really, Krakow? Mm-hmm. You seem to have enough time to talk to Rickly, Ricky casually in the hallway. Right. I call BS. He's got that double major. Or minor. Double minor. Oh, yeah. Double minor. Or triple minor and double major. <laughs> yeah. In high school. All in right. high school. Yeah. Just then, Delia walks up to Ricky to say hi, but Brian says hi first. She ignores Brian and asks Ricky if he's still working on Our Town, and Brian says, yeah, he's the stage manager. Like, shut Delia up, Brian. Delia ignores him. <laughs> I know, like, shut up, Brian. Like, well, this is not between you two. She ignores him and says, great, I would like to get more involved. With the play, I mean. Mm-hmm. Very desperate, Delia. <laughs> mm-hmm. First Brian, now Ricky. Come on, girl. You don't know these guys. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like Ricky both Brian said, and her being super desperate in this scene, but just not for each other. No. Very. Yeah. So, yeah. Ricky says they have they need more people to sell tickets. And she says, great. Sign me up. And then Brian says, yeah, me too. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Like, crack out. You blew it with the way you treated her during the whole dance situation. Mm -hmm. You created a prison of your own making, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Get over it. Move on. He also doesn't even like her. He's still head over heels for Angela. So what is he trying to do? He wants somebody to like him. And that's it. It's all very self-serving. That's it. Yeah, he found out she likes Ricky. And so now he's trying to, I liked it when she liked me, even though I wanted nothing to do with her. Typical. Teenage boys suck. Yeah. Or boys in general suck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Delia leaves and Brian calls after her. Bye. Prompting Ricky to hit him. And he says, ow, what? And Ricky says, oh, you know what? Get him, Ricky. (laughs) Brian then tells Ricky that Sharon said Delia has it for him. Ricky says, has it for me? And Brian says, that's an expression people say, right? And this smug little smile comes across Ricky's face before he walks off saying, yeah. Yeah, somebody likes me. It's nice to be liked. Even if you don't like the person back, it feels nice to want to be wanted, you know? It does. Later at home, the Chase girls are watching through the, the window area of the dining room as Patty is talking on the phone in the kitchen like a schoolgirl talking to her high school boyfriend, Tony, mm-hmm. on the phone. She's just... seriously, like, blushing and, like, just talking just like a teenager. Yeah. It's and real it's, gross. It's, 
it is it is but it's funny in a way to yeah. see patty acting like this she's like yeah because i told you i need your advice yeah <laughs> it's so cringeworthy you know? oh god <sighs> she makes plans to see him friday as she hangs up the phone with her face all aglow and this is when Angela and Danielle burst into the kitchen, mm-hmm. like just popping Patty right back into reality. She's like, oh, God, don't sneak up on me like that. <laughs> and they start to give her like the parental third degree. Mm-hmm. Mom, who's Tony? Why are you blushing? Do you realize your voice just sounded completely different? <laughs> and she's like, really? She's kind of <laughs> proud of it at this, yeah. for some reason. That's when we cut over to all three of them on the couch, looking through Patty's old photo album. And Angela sees Tony Poole and says, oh, my God, Mom, he's cute. Mm-hmm. And Patty says, I told you so. And Angela says, yeah, but I can't trust your judgment and cuteness. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Angela. But, no, that's true. That's so true. Because, you know, as you get older, like your tastes kind of change a little bit and it maybe gets a little broader. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it gets warped by the time you're in your 40s. It's not the same as you thought back then. Like there's certain things that. I thought were gross in guys before, or just like chest hair. Hated it when I was a yeah. teenager. Thought it was gross. And now I'm like, Beards. it's fine. Yeah. It's part of it, you know? So it doesn't bother me like that. So your kids are probably not going to have the same idea of attractiveness as you do. Of course. And they don't, they don't know how hot their dad is. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think anybody would know that. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dad's than, like, so hot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. So Angela sees another pic and says, Mom, were you, you went hitchhiking? And Patty realizes <laughs> she's shown too much. <laughs> uh-huh. She's like, that is a totally fake pe- picture. And she starts lecturing them about the dangers of hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. She goes on to tell them that she hadn't thought about Tony Poole in years, but had a dream about him last night. And this is where we go into the dream where Patty has long hair again. Mm-hmm. She's got a white flowy dress on and she's taking out the garbage. She looks over and sees Princess Diana crying <laughs> against a streetlight pole. <laughs> Angela cuts in, oh no, not another Princess Diana dream. Uh, Danielle smiles. <laughs> yeah. What does Danielle say? I forgot. She's like, does she dream about her a lot or something? <laughs> yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. She smiles and lets go of her garbage, and it just kind of flies off. (laughs) And she walks over to Diana, who keeps saying, princesses, just don't get divorced. Mm -hmm. And then she hugs Diana and says, I know, I know. Which was, obviously, this was way before Diana's death. Yeah. She looks over, and in front of the house, a motorcycle just pops up, followed by a long-haired guy in a leather jacket smoking a cigarette, sitting on the front steps. Mm -hmm. And she thinks... Why, he looks just the same. And she walks over to him in this, like, quick cut way. Mm-hmm. And Diana, by the way, is still crying against the pole in the background in her pink outfit. Yeah. She jumps on onto Tony's lap and starts to kiss him. Though she doesn't tell her daughters that. She just says, okay. well, that's all I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably think- the best thing to yeah. not tell them. Do you think the divorce thing is like Patty's subconscious worried about Graham? Princesses don't get divorced. Possibly. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she also loves Princess Diana. So, I mean, that just yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
but I will admit Tony Poole is pretty hot. Yeah. I mean, he does he have was, a very Jordan Catalano vibe to him. I think he's much hotter than Jordan, in my opinion. That's just my, that's his, just me. I think they're both equally attractive. It might but, be because he's not talking. <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, Yeah. And how gonna... lucky of Bess Armstrong, who plays Patty, to get to make out with a hot 20-something-year-old actor <laughs> right. while she's in her 40s. Like, you know, good for her. Mm-hmm. I need to make out with somebody sooner. I'm going to go crazy. That's <laughs> neither here or there. Anyway. Danielle asks, do you love him more than you love dad? And Angela's like, that's a ridiculous question. She gets all offensive about it. Mm-hmm. And Patty says, no, it's Okay. And Danielle says, that kind of thing gives me nightmares that you and daddy could get divorced. And Angela says, Danielle, she's going to see him for one hour to talk about restaurants. And Patty gives her a look, Angela. So Angela goes on to say, well, I mean, a person can have feelings for someone, even if they're not like the person anymore. Mm -hmm. So Patty tells Danielle that Tony Poole was someone she knew long ago. And Angela says, long, long ago, like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And Patty goes on and says, yeah, that's right. She, you know, And she says, I chose your dad to make my life with. It's funny how she says it, though. She was like, but he's not the person I chose to make my life with. She says, mm-hmm. my life. It's my the li- way she says it. My yeah. life with. It was, yeah. I don't know, it's really strange. Angela asks if she ever loved Tony. And Patty says she's not sure. She said, she and Tony had some wild and crazy times back in the day. And Angela gives her a look and Patty insists she did have a crazy streak at one point. Yeah. I believe we, it. We saw drunk Patty. We know she gets crazy. Oh, yeah. And a teenage Patty. Whoa. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Patty says it's always tempting to lose yourself with someone who's maybe lost themselves. But eventually you want reality. And Danielle yeah. says that makes sense. I'm like, really, Danielle? Really? <laughs> She's deep. She can get, she understands. She just wants to be deep. I think, I don't think she understands that at all, but, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I agree with Patty. Like it's somebody who doesn't seem to have their shit together, but they're just fun and you want to yeah. hang out with, you know, it's look at Rayanne. You want to hang out with her. Yeah. You know, cause she's fun and she keeps things interesting, but at the same time, yeah, they may not be good for you. But just then, Graham comes home, and they all look up from the couch to see him. I'm home. And everybody's like, oh, you know, that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Talk about this other guy, and all of a sudden, Dad comes home. Later on, Patty's brushing her teeth, and she's telling Graham she called Tony Poole. And he doesn't really seem that interested, but Patty tells him that Tony, you know, you know, he's married now. His wife answered, and he was in the restaurant business for 12 years. And Graham says, where is he now? Prison. <laughs> Get over yourself, Graham. Okay, Your wife's Graham. trying to help you. Mm-hmm. So Patty says, Tony now has a Jeep dealership in Harrisburg. So I want to break this down. In the 20 years since high school, Tony Poole has owned a restaurant for 12 years and now owns a Jeep dealership. He probably, he might've gone to college. I don't know. But like, wow. Like mm-hmm. he, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> it just doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Wow, I think cost of living was lower then. You could do more things. Yeah, it's true. You could take risks. Yeah. And maybe yeah. he had family money. You don't know. That's true. Or someone to live with. Yeah. Yeah. Patty says she invited Tony over Friday night to grab any knowledge he has of the restaurant business. 
And Graham says, well, that's a good idea to get advice, but mm -hmm. he won't be there because he's cooking for the investors that night. And of course, Patty looks disappointed. Mm -hmm. The next day at school in the girls' bathroom, Sharon has just told Angela about Delia dreaming of Ricky and being into him. Sharon wants to know if Ricky has ever been into girls. And this is where I go, okay, so this bitch knows Ricky is gay mm -hmm. and still hasn't told her supposed friend Delia that he's probably not into her. She's not yeah. a good friend. That's not a good friend thing to do. You tell, hey, don't get your hopes up. That's what you say yeah. because he's into guys. Well, That's remember vital the, information. The first episode, they did say he was bi, but that could have just been him testing the waters, you know? Yeah, that's a common thing yeah. for any, like, gay, especially gay kid to come out and, like, uh, I, I'm bisexual. They'll say that because, oh, well, you at least still like the opposite yeah. sex, so it's okay. Yeah. It seems like it would make it okay. But, I mean, we all know. I did, too. Yeah. I did the same. I tried to convince myself. That's, yeah. how, that's how it works. So they leave the bathroom, and Angela says she thought Delia liked Brian Krakow, just as they both crossed paths with Rayanne. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, why is this so awkward now? Like, after the last episode, they could at least yeah. just nod and pass each other by, right? Like, how you doing? And that's it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be, like, staring each other down, like, oh, my God, we both go to the same school still. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, it's – what happened to that development that happened in the last episode? It seems a little off. Yeah. Yeah, because so they Rayanne, had a little like, moment when they when she was leaving the house, you know, with the key. It seems like yeah. it would just be, maybe they're not talking, but it shouldn't be super awkward. No, it shouldn't be. No. Um, so, yeah, Rayanne walks by. She's, like, fake humming as she walks by. She looks back at them to see if they're looking. And, of course, they still are. And Sharon's like, come on, we'll be late for homeroom. Meanwhile, Jordan is talking to Brain elsewhere, <laughs> mainly about the prison metaphor from earlier. And Brian just tells him to beg for Angela's forgiveness, to say that he's lower than scum and he's not fit, fit to lick her shoes. <laughs> Jordan asks about what Brian said his parents always say, but Brian says that they're psychiatrists and you can't go by them. <laughs> 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 kind of defeats the purpose of them being psychiatrists, but whatever. Mm -hmm. But he tells Jordan again that the term was an unconscious wish to punish Angela. For what, though? I don't what is, know. What is he punishing her for? I would say to punish myself. Yeah. But not to punish Angela. Maybe for the breakup? But he broke for up with her. Up with her. Well, they maybe. kind of, it was a mutual breakup thing, but yeah. maybe to punish her for not sleeping with him. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That must be it. Dude. Jordan says, got it. And then he calls out for Angela, who's passing by. He hesitates. Angela? <laughs> yeah, Angela. <laughs> He's like not talking. And she's like, okay, come on. What? I'm going to be in homeroom. She's annoyed. She's like, what? And he finally speaks up and says, I did an undefendable thing. And Sharon rolls her eyes and she just walks <laughs> off as he continues. He says, I created my own prison and I have to exist in it. Meanwhile, in the background, Brian's watching from behind, like the door, a door opens in front of him. He just kind of hides behind the door. Mm -hmm. You and can't Jordan hide says, that hair, Brian. You can't, no. And it's not even like a, it's like a glass window door. You can tell somebody's there. You can see the hair silhouette. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan says, maybe I had a wish or whatever to punish you. An unconscious wish. You've heard of them, right? And she's like, yeah, I think so. 
and she can't believe what he just said. She says it was mm-hmm. really amazing. And Brian just like groans from behind the door. Mm-hmm. This whole like Cyrano de Bergerac scenario just, it never works out at anything no. I've ever seen it in. It never works out. So Jordan agrees with Angela and says, I know. Insert <laughs> eye roll. Like he's like, that was so profound. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I know. <laughs> really? <laughs> Pat yourself on the back a little. She should have been suspicious as soon as the word undefendable came out of his mouth. She's been like, wait a minute. <laughs> Is this you? Is this really you? Mm-hmm. She says, okay, now we can have a serious talk. And he says, we just did. <laughs> He's like, and she says, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not enough. She's like, you can't hit a person with something that profound and expect that to be the end of the discussion. <laughs> He's like, shit. Yeah. Jordan looks extremely worried and uncomfortable, as he should for using someone else's words instead of his own. Mm-hmm. But like you said, how can she not know this doesn't sound like him? Yeah. Get with it, Angela. He says, I forgot. I'm late for homeroom. And he just like rushes off, leaving her disappointed. <laughs> and Brian looking guilty for the situation he's helped to create. Mm-hmm. After another commercial break, we are back in tutoring as Brian looks through flashcards with words like harmonica and convertible. (laughs) God only knows the lame story that Jordan Uh told him for Brian to use those words. I wrote this song about my convertible. And I played the harmonica. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan says he was so close yesterday, but it wasn't enough. He says Angela is starved or something. Yeah, she wants you to hold yourself accountable, dickhead. Yeah. I mean, she wants to be able to have a conversation with you. Uh, uh, well, mm. Jordan says he needs whatever he has to be to say to her to be written down so he doesn't screw it up. Mm-hmm. Brian tells him, well, write her a letter. But it's obvious Jordan wants Brian to write it, and he refuses. Mm-hmm. Later in the hall... Angela's helping Ricky hang posters for our town while telling him about the insightful words Jordan said to her yesterday before running away. Mm-hmm. Rayanne interrupts to ask Ricky for a poster to take home to show Amber. She says her mom is excited to have her daughter in the school play. And Angela kind of takes an interest. And it's like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. And they just kind of look at each other and she's like, I'll-, I'll see you later. And she leaves. And I hate this awkwardness. Yeah. Then Ryan rushes off and runs into Brian saying, get out of my way. <laughs> He's always the butt of her anger. I know. And Brian asks, like, what have I done to her? Like, making her dislike me so much. Yeah. You exist, I... Brian. That's what you've done. He saved her last weekend. Come on. I know. Lordy, you've hung out with her and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Brian wants to know if there's anything new that's happened with anyone they might know. Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Ricky knows and tells him how Angela is in shock once again by Jordan Catalano's actions. And that's where Brian confesses that it was him that told Jordan to say those things. Ricky says he can't believe that Brian is using Jordan Catalano. And Brian's like, no, no, Jordan's using me. And Ricky says, yeah, he is, but you're also using Jordan too by getting him to say what you want to say to Angela about how you feel about her. Mm-hmm. Smart, Good old Ricky. Ricky with that third wheel observation, right? Yeah. When you're a third wheel, you see a lot of shit. It's like yeah. being the little kid, like being yeah. the kid sister or kid brother. He's the Danielle of their group. Mm-hmm. So Brian realizes that Ricky is right. 
Just then, Delia walks up to give Ricky some fallen posters she found. She's trying to flirt with him, mm-hmm. and she then reminds him, like, hey, don't forget to sign me up for those tickets to sell before Sharon calls her away. Brian says, wow, she really likes you. And Ricky is still shocked. He laments that his life would be so much easier if he could just like her back. Yeah. He says this could be his chance to be straight. And I don't know about anyone else. (laughs) Yes, I know. I hate that feeling, but Mm. I think this is pretty common, like I said, for gay kids who feel like outsiders and they want to fit in. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I I once tried to convince myself that I was bisexual, but no dice. You got to live your truth, people. Yeah. That's hard at that age. Yeah. It sucks, but it's the only way to live. Yeah. At the restaurant, Graham and Hallie are discussing the menu for the dinner with the investors over lunch as workers around them are fixing up the place. And I'm wondering, where does this money for all this remodeling come from? Yeah, because they don't, don't have, have the investors, investors yet. yet. Yeah. Unless True. they're putting some of their own money into it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they could. I know he mentioned about like emptying their savings and stuff. So that could be it. Yeah. It costs a lot to start mm-hmm. a restaurant. She asks if Patty is coming, but he says, no, she'll be at home talking to her old high school boyfriend, Tony, about the restaurant business. Uh, You know, like a completely awesome, supportive wife would, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He says he thinks Patty is curious about Tony and that he can handle that situation, even if they flirt a little. Mm -hmm. Hallie gives him a look and says, someone can enjoy flirting without any further intention. Oh, excuse me. That's what he says. (laughs) she gives him this look and he says they can enjoy flirting without any further intention and she agrees and we all know that they're speaking to their own situation especially Hallie Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to mean anything but Hallie says that there's no law that he can't act jealous and he says oh we don't play games like that she says it's not a game it's considerate I kind of like this I I do too and that is so true it's nice to like for your loved one to to show a little bit of jealousy, just a little bit, like yeah. you're hanging out with somebody else or whatever. Like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you actually still have it for me enough to where you actually, you know, Hey, I don't want you to go. I'm going to trust you and that's fine. You go do yeah. it, but I don't really like it that much. Right. Or just the, it just makes you feel like the thought that there's even the tiniest, tiniest chance you could lose me upset you a little bit, you know, exactly. There's definitely a line. You don't want to, you don't want to be insane about it, but just a little like, oh, oh, I'm kind of jealous you're seeing your ex-boy, you know, just little things to make you still feel like the other person cares. Feeling wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It is nice. At school, for some reason, it's nighttime and Brian is sitting down in the hallway for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Because he lives there. I, I guess that's maybe it's after a tutoring session or something after yeah. the thing with Jordan. I don't know. Or the play stuff, you know. Yeah. He's thinking for a second before grabbing one of the Our Town posters and starts writing like crazy. And this is what he writes. Dear Angela, I know that in the past I've caused you pain and I'm sorry. He cuts to the next day and he's handing the note now rewritten on notebook paper to Jordan. And it continues. And I'll always be sorry to the day I die. And I hate this pen I'm holding because I should be holding you. I hate this paper in my hand because it isn't you. 
I even hate this letter because it's not the whole truth. We see Jordan rewriting the letter in his own hand, which is smart if you're going to deceive someone that you wrote a letter that you didn't write. Yeah, it's super deceitful. Yeah. And the letter goes on to say, because the whole truth is so much more than a letter could even say. We see Brian watching as Jordan slips the letter into Angela's locker. If you want to hate me, go ahead. If you want to burn this letter, do it. So now Angela gets the letter and it falls out of her locker. And then we fade to her reading it over in her bedroom, which is probably like the umpteenth time she's read this letter at this point. Yeah. And it goes on. You could burn the whole world down. You could tell me to go to hell. I'd go if you'd wanted me to. And I'd send you a letter from there. Sincerely, Jordan Catalano. I love this letter so much. <laughs> oh. It's so good. It's There's simple. no way a teenager wrote this, though. <laughs> well, it's Brian. Brian's, yeah. you know, he's probably he's, good with the words, you know, he's when he's not smart. pressured. Yeah. The next day on the bus, Brian stops Angela to ask what she's reading. She says, have you ever completely given up on someone and then something happens and you go, oh, my God, there's so much more to this person than I ever dreamed. So they get off the bus and he asks about the letter from Jordan. And she says it was the most incredible letter. And Brian must have really worked hard, you know, to tutor Jordan because mm. it really made a difference. Mm -hmm. Brian asks about her favorite part of the letter and she says, I'm sorry, it's just too personal. Yeah. She then sees Jordan and excuses herself to go talk to him. She stops him in the hallway and tells him how beautiful it was. And he seems really uncomfortable. He says he doesn't want to pretend like, and she interrupts him and says, she doesn't want to pretend either. She <laughs> says she loved the letter. He says he has all these dreams where he knows exactly what to say. And she tells him she forgives him. And then she leans up and kisses him. In the middle of the hall. Why yeah. are no teachers stopping this? Eh. I don't know. Eh. That would not fly in my school. Yeah. So do you think he was going to let her know that he didn't write it? It seemed like he was trying to go there like he was feeling guilty, but he just kind of went with it. Oh, yeah, I got yeah. Angela back. I don't have to tell her. And she also wouldn't let him. <laughs> yeah, she, she wouldn't let him talk. talk. So, yeah, oh. she's kissing him and poor Brian sees this from down the hall and his face falls. Mm -hmm. And it goes to a commercial break, but comes right back on the same moment. And Ricky runs up to Brian from behind him and, you know, and says, hey, um, you need to pick up the tickets for our town at Mr. Katemski's tonight. And then looks over and notices Angela and Jordan are kind of making out and they're holding hands and they walk off together. And bitter Brian says, yep. Of course, she's still going to die someday. We're all going to die before slamming his locker closed and walking off. She's still going to die someday. <laughs> Ricky Aww. catches up with him and to find out, like, what did you do, Brian? And Brian confesses that he wrote the letter to Angela for Jordan. Mm -hmm. And Ricky says, you have to tell Angela. And Brian starts to raise his voice and says, no, look what, what difference does it make? So they, they, they happen to be like together or so what? So what? If you analyze why certain people end up together, it will make you want to kill yourself. Mm. And Ricky just looks at him and calmly says, tell her. Yeah. Brian says it wouldn't be right because Jordan asked him to help and he helped him and he can't go back on that. 
So later in the bathroom, Sharon comes in pissed about a run in her pantyhose. And Rayanne spots her and says, you want to know something laughable? I have no friends. I mean, Angela Chase, forget it. We obviously cannot discuss that. Risky Vasquez, totally not my friend. Tino, not dependable, understatement. <laughs> not in existence. <laughs> Figment of your imagination. <laughs> Sharon just looks at her in her Sharon Tursky way. And Rayanne goes on. You're probably thinking, so what? You'd like deserve to have no friends. I mean, that is what you're thinking, isn't it? She does a good Sharon impersonation. I know. She really does. So she knows exactly. So what? <laughs> Sharon says she never let, you know, she's she's never met anyone like her. Rayanne will say anything and anyone can say anything to her. She's unshockable. Mm -hmm. And Rayanne says, it's refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> and, Ray and Sharon's like, yeah, it is. And so then she goes, so you do have a friend. Maybe not the one you want, but. And then that's where Marianne says, I really screwed up. And Sharon like tugs on her little braided bangs <laughs> that she has. And she goes, duh, squared. Yeah. Which I liked because it was a throwback to an earlier episode when mm -hmm. Marianne said, duh, squared. Duh, squared. <laughs> And then Rayanne leaves. That night, Graham heads out to go to the investor dinner. Patty says, you know, if you want me to come, I can cancel a Tony. But he's like, no, 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 that's okay. That's not the answer she wanted, Graham. Yeah. She wants you to want her to come, you dummy. Yeah, he's that's not, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> to come along. Hey -o. Hey -o. Hey -o. Oh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just read that. Oh, that's not right. So at Katimsky's, Ricky is giving out tickets and like organizing things on his little clipboard and Delia is trying her hardest to flirt with him. But saved by the friend, Angela shows up. She's smiling her ass off and Ricky tells her, I know where you've been all day mm. and I know about the letter. And she wants to know how he knows, but figures out it was Brian Krakow, the quote, pain for all all the reason for all pain. <laughs> that's that's he intense. Tells, yeah, it's, yeah. Mm. He says, you realize that Brian wrote that letter, right? And her face falls and she says, well, yeah, yeah, I kind of figured that. Ricky. Total liar. Total Ricky. liar. I know, but why did, why, Ricky, why? Yeah, he just doesn't know. How to, I don't know. He says he doesn't feel that bad about blabbing it now. I'm like, well, would you have felt better about blabbing it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he should have been like, have you talked to Brian about the letter? Mm -hmm. That's what he should have said. Mm -hmm. But no, if he was going to kind of hint at something, he could have said that, but yeah. he didn't. Oh, Ricky. I think he just wanted her to know the truth, but he didn't approach it very well. No, he didn't. So, you know, in the background, Katimsky tells everyone he's going to take them out for pizza Great teacher, y'all. Yeah. Oh, gee whiz. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> Angela, who just showed up, mind you, asks him for a ride home. Mm -hmm. Ricky hangs back to talk to Delia, who is fumbling with her coat's zipper. So he helps her zip it up, and she, of course, is all starry-eyed to be alone with him. And mm -hmm. he sips it up, like, really too easily. It's like, whoop, let me help you zip right up. Yeah. 
which tells me that she was lying and just wanted him closer to her. Yeah. Good move, Delia. Good move. Yeah. So then he says, Delia, maybe we should uh, go somewhere sometime, you know, like a movie or something. And she says, oh, okay, I'd like that. And he says, because I really think we'd be good together. And all the while, he's not even really looking at her. His back's Mm -hmm. turned and whatnot. And he's walking around doing stuff and checking off his list or whatever. So Delia then surprises him with, okay, but um, you're gay, right? (laughs) And he gets taken off guard. And she apologizes because she thinks, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound rude. And he Mm -hmm. finally says, yeah, no, yeah, I'm gay. I just don't usually say it like that. And she asks, well, how do you usually say it? And he says, I don't usually say it. Yeah. I mean, I've never actually said it out loud. So yeah. she smiles and says she, she feels honored to be the first person he said it to. And she's such a sweetheart to swear. She really is. She's so sweet. She admits that she has a crush on him and she giggles. She says it's because she thinks he's just the most fantastic person and a great dancer. She also says it's partly because Brian Krakow hurt her. And she knows that he's friends with him and all, but Brian Krakow is just a, a self-centered, low-down dog. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was just like, okay. Dial uses it girls back. and tosses them aside. Like, he didn't even uses- use you. Like, I know. I'm like, girl. you're giving him way too much credit like for being this Casanova. <laughs> he canceled on a date that you guys didn't even go on. <laughs> uh. You know, and enough time beforehand, too. Not like, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, but it was the way he did it. He like he would rather go with another girl. It was kind of shitty. It was shitty, but at least it was honest. That's true. <laughs> she then says, it's nice to have a crush on someone that it won't hurt too much. And then he oh. says, if he were attracted to girls, that he'd be attracted to her. And it's such a sweet little scene. It's so cute. And then they hold I would have liked to have seen their friendship develop more, you know? Yeah. Back at the Chase house, Patty is waiting for Tony Poole to show up when there's a knock at the door. It's not Tony. Mm -mm. It's Jordan. And she's Mm -hmm. finally really meeting him. Oh, is this the first time? Yes. Because the only time she saw him, she saw him once before. Remember, she backed out of the driveway, like looking at him. That's right. Okay. At the restaurant, Graham and Hallie are starting to, you know, it just kind of cuts over them real quick. And they're preparing the dishes to serve to the investors. And then comes back at home. And Patty hangs up the phone with Tony, who had just called to cancel. She goes over to the fridge and grabs some milk to pour for Jordan as he eats the sandwich she made him. She's such a good hostess. Mm-hmm. They've been talking, and she's like, I understand you didn't mean to hurt Angela. And he says, it's like you think you're safe or something because you can just walk away anytime because you don't, like, need her. And you don't need anyone. But the thing you didn't realize is you're wrong. He needs Angela. That's so sad and sweet. It is sad. And then he ruins it with the next line. (laughs) He says, you always wear this much makeup. (laughs) Damn, Jordan. Who says that to anybody? Like, uh. He just has no concept of like social graces. (laughs) No, no, he does not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it totally catches Patty off guard, and she tries to make excuses, saying, like, well, I had an old friend I was supposed to see, and he has the flu or something. 
And I'm like, does he, or was it that Tony's wife doesn't want to see, want him to see his ex-girlfriend from high school? Mm, could be. Yeah. She says he took so much decongestant that he was afraid to drive. And then she laughs to herself. She goes, this is the person that drove so recklessly at 17 that her parents wanted him dead. And Jordan says, wow, ironic. Yeah. Uh, he learned I'm a like, word. <laughs> Whoa. Good boy, Jordan. Mm-hmm. You have totally, he's totally seen the situation for what it is. You are Angela's Tony Pool. Mm-hmm. Yep. And basically, Patty did see him that night in the form of Jordan. Yeah. <clears throat> Pretty funny. At the restaurant, Graham is filled with doubt about his food. Oh, this is not good. The sauce was bad, blah, 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 blah. And Hallie's like trying to tell him it's fine. Everything's great. And just then one of the investors stands up and says, I have something to say. Our compliments to the chef. And they raise their glasses and they give him a round of applause. I'm like, go, Graham. Go, Graham. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. It's nice. Back home, Katemski drops off Angela and she sees Jordan's car out front just as brian krakow you know rides by on his bike because he's so busy yeah he's like no time i'm busy stalking angela i'm busy riding my bike up and down the street in front of your house inside the phone rings and jordan says if that's a guy named tino i'm not here (laughs) why would he be calling there for you yeah Yeah. hey here's here's the number of the place i'll be at don't call it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. what so Patty answers and Graham tells him tells her that they are in the restaurant business. And he asks if Tony Poole is still there. And she says, no. And he asks, what was it like to see him again? And she says, like old times, while looking mm-hmm. at Jordan. Mm-hmm. He then tells her that he was somewhat jealous. Was he, and I'm like, he just saying that? Yeah, why is he just now saying it? But it's good that he did. She needed yeah. to hear it, you yeah. know? He says he'll be home soon and they hang up. And now she's all smiles as Jordan asks if she has more milk. (laughs) He's drinking a lot of milk. (laughs) I know. At the restaurant, Hallie is smiling, saying that she can't believe it. And Graham says, you always believe it. And she says, that's just an act. So they celebrate. They did it. They hug. Mm -hmm. And as they pull away, there's a moment where it's a, they look at each other's mouths and you're like, oh my God, they're about to kiss. Mm-hmm. but he pulls away for, he's like, I need to get home. And she agrees. And she's like, we'll just clean this up tomorrow. Yeah. So as they get ready to leave, they have, you know, they're putting on their jackets and whatnot. And they kind of have another moment where they kind of look at each other. Mm-hmm. And he says, see ya and leaves. I'm like, thank God nothing happened there. Yeah. But would there ever have had anything happen? I I'm, know. Sh- I'm sure that's what they were setting it up for. Or, Maybe they wouldn't, you know, you never know. Sometimes they'd go, you know, they'd take a left where they, you thought they were going to go right. So meanwhile, Angela stops Brian, who's still riding his bike in the street. And he's like turned away from her and she tells him to look at her and she walks over to him. She tells him that Ricky told her that he wrote the letter that Jordan gave her and she has to know the truth. He says, there's nothing to know. He lies and says that Jordan asked him to proofread it for grammatical errors. And she's like, proofread a love letter? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is this like a game to you? Yeah, exactly. He says, hardly. And she says, you admit that you were involved, though. And he's like, I'm not admitting anything. Yeah, it's getting heated here. Mm -hmm. 
she thinks this is some kind of a joke of a situation and she can't believe she fell for it because it's obviously a total lie. And then Brian lets slip. No, I meant every word. Mm. And then he corrects himself. I mean, the person that wrote it probably meant every word. And she stops. She's like, Brian. Yeah. And he says, I, I didn't write it. But she says, but you said, and he says, forget what I said. And she says, how? And he stops and says, you liked it though, right? It made you happy. And she says, yeah. And he says, cause that's probably all that matters. And she says to who? And he says to the person that wrote it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of getting teary eyed right now. I know. Really sweet. It's an intense scene. It is. And you can tell like she's seeing him in this whole other light now. Like she's yeah. seeing him finally. Mm -hmm. And they're sharing this quiet moment together. But of course, just then, we hear Jordan walk up. And, and they uh, both turn to him. And, uh, <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, brain. <laughs> so stupid. I swear. He says, come on, let's go. Don't worry, your mom said it was okay. And she just kind of slowly follows him to his car, all the while looking back at Brian. Yeah. And Jordan says, see ya, brain. And Brian bitterly says, see ya. Mm -hmm. And he and Angela like lock eyes as she gets into his car, red. Mm -hmm. And as she, and just through the you know window, she's looking at him still. And they drive off, leaving Brian alone in the street. And that's the end of my so-called <sighs> life. So satisfying. I know. Ugh. Like I, I have to confess the disappointment I had at this ending still exists. Mm -hmm. And I, I got really angry and sad. And it's like rewatching this whole thing really pushed me back into my adolescence point of view. You know, and I just like, like I was saying, I teared up at that loss of innocence I had. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, oh, uh, man, it makes me so mad. I know. Uh, and it, what did you think, like, listeners? What did you think? Did you have the same reaction to this? Let us know in that post. But uh, what were you thinking, Kay? Uh, I just, she just finally realizes that freaking Krakow is the deep, like, sentimental person that she's been wanting and then it's just it's over and it's like god damn it <laughs> yeah so okay so we discussed this in our little chat the other day and um i had read the book the sequel book that you know winnie holzman worked with um catherine clark on um after she had adapted the series into mm -hmm. my so-called life the book the novelization and then she wrote a book called my so-called life goes on and what do you think about me rereading the sequel book and then recapping it in a special like mini-sode? Are you down for that? Yes. 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 <laughs> she wants to know what happens. I want to know what happens. Is it satisfying? I do remember. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that I was still kind of unsatisfied with that book as well. Mm -hmm. But maybe because I was wanting it to go a certain way. I don't remember what happens at all. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I remember it goes in the direction I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was unsatisfied. But now that it's been so long, I probably can reread it and be like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. and it might make sense. But yeah. so I'm thinking we could do that. It, it probably, I don't even know if it'll be a mini so It might be a full episode, but yeah, yeah. I figure we could do that afterwards and I'll do that and uh, we'll record it and we'll just 
play it the week after this. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds yeah, because I, I tried to find that book and it's like 200 fucking dollars <laughs> to buy it anywhere. <laughs> I was so happy that I bought it back in the day and it's still in pristine tradition. Cred- condition. What the hell's tradition? What the hell tradition. is that? Tradition. Oh, Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for listening to our little recap of my so-called life. Stay tuned because coming soon, we will be diving into the first season of The Magicians with Aureline. Followed by the first season of the British sitcom Coupling with Shelly, my good friend from across the pond. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a, mm-hmm. basically a raunchier version of Friends. Mm-hmm. It's good. Love that show. As for Kay... Don't forget to listen to her and her husband, Jay, on Fuck My Work Life, anywhere you can find podcasts. And to learn more about that, just visit FM or at FML. Ah, I can't do this ever. I'm still going to screw this up. At FMWL Pod on most social media pro- platforms. At FMWL Pod. That's right. <laughs> there you go. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap, or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever you listen to our show. Really appreciate it. And in keeping with theme of this episode, keep dreaming, everyone. Mm. Keep going after it. And maybe you can write some fan fiction to submit to us, and we'll read that later on down the line. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Till next time, see you later on the Rewatch Recap. Bye, everybody.